0: Well, on Saturday, uh, along with the newsletter, I sent out an essay on on the Psalms and and praying the Psalms. And the Psalms, uh, I think for me at this stage in my life and ministry have become kind of the glue that holds everything together in uh, the practice of the walk, the way of following Jesus. And so it's not strange that uh, pretty much in between uh, series, on Paul's letters or the prophets or one of the Gospels or whatever it might be I usually default to doing something in the Psalms because they are just a rich part of, of my own practices uh, relative to the faith and so I, I just want to take these four weeks before I head out on vacation and talk about four different Psalms and I don't know why I put these together I think it has to do with the mention of trees But we'll see as all that proceeds. And uh, we're going to be looking at Psalm 1 today and Psalms 50, 51, and 52. Now there's a sequential order there, but Psalm 1 is like the Sesame Street song. One of these things is not like the other. Uh, So uh, anyway, I'm going to read Psalm 1 today. It is the psalm that gets it all going. It is the first entry in this prayer book that is not specifically a prayer, but something that gets us ready to pray. And so let's look at the first psalm. Happy are those who do not follow the advice of the wicked, or take the path that sinners tread, or sit in the seat of scoffers. But their delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law they meditate day and night. They are like trees, planted by streams of water, which yield their fruit in its season, and their leaves do not wither, and all they do, they prosper. The wicked are not so, but are like the chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. Let's pray. Lord, help us to hear your invitations to us today your invitation to watch, your invitation to be awake, your invitation to listen to that direction that you give about what it means to walk in the way of the righteous. And help us to rest in that invitation and go in the confidence of it to seek to be your people wherever we are and in whatever we do. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. One of the things that I've realized being a pastor is that if you're going to be in the God business, so to speak, you better be someone who's comfortable with metaphors. Metaphors are the, really the, the lifeblood. Of spirituality, of spiritual talk, of theology, if you will, even. There's a pastor, Craig Barnes, who is currently president of Princeton Seminary, although I think he just retired, but he wrote a book at one point called The Pastor as Minor Poet. I think that's an adequate description of what we pastors do. We work with metaphor. We work with images. And we do so, and we deal with metaphor, because our language about God, even all of the language in Scripture, is always metaphorical. We cannot literally say what God is, or who God is, or how God will always act, because we are not God. And as in any relationship, there will always be mystery and therefore we can talk around that identity based on what we read in scripture based on what we experience in our own lives we can use metaphor we can say God is like but we can't for sure say even when we say God is love we're using a metaphor so we have to use metaphors to talk about God it's the only way we can talk about God And so, therefore, we always speak of God, and when we do, we speak in metaphor. We talk about what God is like. And the same is really true of our spiritual lives as well. Word pictures help us to know what comprises that life and what it feels like to live that life. But if we resort to nothing more than a series of rules, I guarantee you, We will not be joyous people in the faith. The way of faith is not just a list of rules that we strive to obey, but the way of faith is just that, a road. It's a means of living. It's a journey that is comprised of many things. And Psalm 1 describes that journey, and it uses a lot of metaphors to do so. And the journey that it's describing, the psalmist is describing, is the journey of the righteous. The journey of the one who is, literally, in right relationship with God. The life of one who's in that right relationship and what that relationship looks like and feels like. But also, Psalm 1 is about what being disconnected from that relationship looks like and feels like. So let me just spend some time talking about metaphors this morning in Psalm 1. The first one the psalmist uses is the way, or the road, or the path of righteousness. That righteousness is about being on a particular road, is the way he paints the picture. And it's a path defined, as this psalmist tells the story, it's a path defined by Torah. Torah is literally the first five books of the Bible, but Torah is more generally the law of God. Torah, like most Hebrew nouns, comes initially from a verb. And the verb from which Torah comes is Yara, which is to throw something so it hits its mark. Like a javelin. You throw it and you're you're trying to aim it in a particular direction. And so Torah is God's word aimed at us. God's word hitting its mark. It, It It hits the target of the human condition and brings God into that human condition. It defines the path, if you will. It marks out the path on which we were created to walk. And it's also words on which we meditate and in which we delight, These are not just words that we memorize and and put in a dictionary in our head and have meanings for. These are words that we meditate on, literally meditate, ruminate, chew, eat. There's so many references in the scriptures about eating the book and not literally chewing on the pages, but hovering over it and, and allowing ourselves to savor, those words. We eat the words. We, we savor them. And in doing so, that transforms us. That becomes a part of us. That empowers us to walk in this way of relationship with God. And that's what the psalmist is talking about. And that leads us to the second metaphor that he uses for this way of righteousness. He says it's like being like a tree planted by a stream of water. To live the light, righteous life is about being rooted in what nourishes us. The tree that's referred to here, the tree planted by streams of living water, literally is the tree probably that was the tree planted by the canals of Babylon because the, the Hebrew suggests that it's talking about a transplanted tree. And if you know anything about the history of ancient Babylon, there's one big river that runs near it or through it. And what they did was cut canals from that river to make the whole area verdant, to make it green, to distribute that water. It was you know, quite a wonder of the ancient world. And when the Hebrew people went to Babylon in exile, You remember the 137th Psalm. By the waters of Babylon. There we sat down and wept. We wept when we remembered Zion. There we hung our harps. On the trees. The willows. By the waters there. Well those willows were planted. Because they could be planted. Because of the canals. So this is very much a reference. To the exile. That time where. The Hebrew people, or many of the leaders, were taken into captivity in Babylon. And and quite frankly, most of the Psalms were generated during this period. It shows you what adversity can do for creativity. Uh, Pretty wonderful things, actually. So the Psalms are written in exile in Babylon, the city of canals, that are cut to expand the flow of water, and yet they're still in Babylon. They're still in that place they don't want to be with the people they don't want to be with and not happy and unable to sing. And here the psalmist says, you know, walking righteously is about contemplating one of those willow trees. Think about how that tree had to be transplanted to a place and how it is nourished in that place. And let those trees of Babylon teach you something, in other words, that it's possible to thrive even in this place that you don't want to be with people you don't want to be with because there is water there and you can flourish. It's possible to be faithful in a place where you're surrounded by faithlessness is what this psalm is saying. And then comes the third metaphor that I want to mention here. And that's the opposite of this transplanted tree rooted by the canal. The opposite of that transplanted tree rooted by the canal is the chaff that's blown by the wind. It puts a clear choice before us. You can mirror that tree that's planted by the water or you can be uprooted and be blown around. You can move toward what roots you in God, even in this godless place, or you can keep your harps hung on the willows and just mourn the fact that it's not like it should be. And it makes me think of another metaphor, one that's entirely unrelated to scripture, but is deeply rooted in our own traditions and Celtic and Northern European spirituality that's pre-Christian quite frankly and that's that of the walking tree you wonder where the title of the sermon comes from that's where it comes from from pagan mythology (laughs) (laughs) but I think this psalm is talking in some ways about a walking tree a tree that understands it needs to move toward where it will find life and sinks its roots down in there. It's both things. It's a tree on the way looking for the place of God and a tree deeply rooted in what seems not to be that place but actually is that place. J.R.R. Tolkien has the ants, the the walking trees, in, in his Lord of the Rings trilogy. These sentient beings who can choose where to root themselves, who can walk forward and walk on the way and find the stream in order to put their roots down in a nourishing, well-watered soil. And I think the righteous life is like one of those walking trees. The walking tree that can follow a path to the place where we can put down roots and find water. And find it sometimes even in the most unlikely of places. One of the books that has helped me out immeasurably with the Psalms is Eugene Peterson's book, Answering God. The subtitle is the Psalms as Tools for Prayer. And one of the things that he says in in the second chapter of this book, and I want to make this available to you. In some ways, you'll see that all preaching is ultimately plagiarism. And so I want to quote my source here. (laughs) I want to quote my source here, and I, I'll make this, uh, copies of this available to you today, or I can send you a PDF of it. But it's just a, a brilliant way that identifies how the first and second psalms really get us ready to pray. But one of the things that Eugene does in, in this chapter is he talks about quotes from a source uh, from Old English, how the word for true in Old English also springs from the word for tree. That the contemplation of the tree tells us a truth. It allows us to put our roots down deep into truth and have a deeply rooted life. And the psalm is essentially saying the same thing. In this place where nothing makes sense, in this place where you feel uprooted and disconnected, look for and contemplate the tree the deeply rooted idea, the the true. Because the tree thrives even in this unlikely place. So look for and contemplate the tree and that will take you into an awareness of a degree of truth and a deeper truth about the presence of God. It's an understatement to say that we are living in a time and a situation when we feel uprooted. It's a world not unlike Babylon, a world that frustrates us and a world that makes us fearful and a world that makes us angry. We're living in such a time that even though we may think that prayer is primarily and only about the cry, get me the hell out of here. It's actually about something far more significant than that. It's not God lift me out of this mess, even though the Psalms give us plenty of examples of praying that prayer. It's not really get me back to where I was, even though the Psalms pray a lot of those prayers too but I think Psalm 1 calls us to pray something different. Help me to see where you are. Help me to know how you're at work, even here, even now, by these wretched canals. Help me to see where you are and rekindle the song that you created me to sing, God. And let that song be what I sing as I walk along the path that you've created me to walk upon. Let's pray. Lord God, help us always to listen for your voice and to hear your invitation to pay attention to those trees that tell us the truth that we need to know. The truth that you are with us always, irrespective of where we are, even to the end of the age. And help us to go in the confidence of that truth, that promise of presence and accompaniment. And empower us to reflect your light and love wherever we are. For we pray in Jesus' name, amen.